Welcome to the podcast of Calvary Baptist Church. We are delighted you have chosen to listen in today. It's our hope the message of Jesus will continue to spread and bear fruit, both in your life and the world around us. For more digital content, feel free to check us out on the web at calvarybcmoultrie.com. And now for today's message. This morning we are going to learn from Jesus on spiritual fitness. So when I say that word fitness, what comes to your mind first? Maybe CrossFit, strength, Sean. Maybe self-discipline, devotion, early mornings at the gym. In Luke chapters 18 and 19, Jesus is given several different teachings on spiritual fitness. Uh, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem at this time to lay down his life, to bring the kingdom of God. And as Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, he's teaching his disciples and the crowds on who's fit to receive his kingdom. Spiritual fitness. And in this section, Jesus particularly teaches on the spiritual fitness of pride, spiritual pride versus spiritual humility. It's about the only thing he talks about in Luke 18 and 19 on spiritual fitness. But this one aspect of spiritual fitness Jesus teaches on is on spiritual pride and spiritual humility. And the big idea this morning is that the kingdom of God is not for the spiritually proud, but for the spiritually humble. I'll say that again. This morning we have basically one big point, and it is that the kingdom of God is not for the spiritually proud, but for the spiritually humble. And before we jump in, I want to I say up front that this text that we just read, is, is, it's a warning text. You can see that in verse 9. Look at, look at the introduction um, on who Jesus is telling this to. Look at verse 9 in your Bible. It says, he, this is talking about Jesus, Jesus also told this parable, which is just a story to make a point, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So as Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem to lay down his life, he's teaching his disciples on fitness for the kingdom of God. And in this time, he, he, he's warning some who are trusting in themselves that they are righteous and treating others with contempt. And let me encourage you, before we jump in, this is something that we all need to hear. Like, even those of us who would say, you know what, I, I love the Lord, I understand the gospel, I know I'm a sinner saved by grace alone, by, through faith, uh, by faith alone, through, by, through grace alone, and Christ alone, I know I'm sinful. This is still a warning that we need to hear because spiritual pride, even if we start out in the faith acknowledging our sin and acknowledging our unworthiness before God, it can easily creep in for any of us. And also, if you're here today, and let's say you think, you know what, I might be a Christian, I might not, I'm interested in Christianity, maybe I need to clean my life up before getting in the church, I probably couldn't be spiritually proud because I have nothing to be proud about. I'm, I'm, I'm not good, and I'm, I need to clean myself up. Just know that how Jesus teaches spiritual pride right here may be different than you think. Spiritual pride could still be keeping you away from Christ and his kingdom. 
Okay, so let's jump in. Look at Luke 18, verse 9. Jesus first introduces, in his story, he first introduces two characters. He introduces a Pharisee and a tax collector who go up to the temple to pray. Look at verse 9. It says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And he says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So here's the situation that Jesus proposes. He says, two people go up to the temple to pray. That's not an uncommon thing. The temple is the place of, of worship. And they had set times of prayer. And Jesus introduces two opposite and contrasting characters. If you've been around church for some time, you're probably familiar in the Gospels of the Pharisees and tax collectors and kind of who they represent. Uh, the first character that Jesus introduces is the Pharisee. Uh, Pharisees are religious lay leaders. They're incredibly, they were incredibly devout to God, to, 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 to the Old Testament law. They were very serious about both keeping the Old Testament law and about their oral tradition uh, spiritually as well. And Jesus' uh, prayer that he gives that the Pharisee prayed matches up to that. Let's look, look at how the Pharisee prayed in verse 11. The Pharisee's in this temple praying, and he says, The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all I get. So the Pharisee's prayer matches up to who the audience would think a Pharisee is. He goes above and beyond the requirements of the Old Testament law. He says he fasts twice a week. Now, at risk of pride, I'm not going to have you raise your hands if you fast twice a week, but my guess is, is we do not match up to the Pharisees' fasting rigor. At least I do not. In the Old Testament, I, uh, if my research is correct, I think that fasting was required one day a year on the Day of Atonement. And so you can see that this Pharisee is very pious. He's, he, he goes above and beyond. And also with giving, he says, I give tithes of all that I get. He's not thinking through, okay, which produce has already been tithed, which produce needs a tithe. He says, I, I give it all. I go above and beyond with tithing. I go above and beyond with fasting. He's very spiritually rigorous, very spiritually intentional. And then Jesus introduces the second character to, to this crowd. He introduces us to the tax collector. Now, tax collectors were opposite. They were, they were seen opposite as Pharisees at this time. The people of God, uh, the, nation, the, the people of Israel, were under Roman rule, and Rome exacted taxes. And they had people who lived in areas who were their tax collectors, so they could make a profit, so Rome could get their taxes. And tax collectors were notoriously uh, despised because it, it could be a very lucrative position. People often bidded like paid money to become a tax collector because what they could do is, is in imposing Rome's taxes on the people, they could collect extra to pad their pockets. So you could imagine that this position, that, that, that a tax collector is very, very despised, seen as a religious outsider. And look at the tax collector's prayer in, ver in verse 13. Jesus says, but the tax collector 
standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector doesn't stand in the center, standing and, 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 and talk about maybe what he's done spiritually. He stands far off and he just says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So thus far, it, 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 my strong hunch is those who Jesus is telling this story to, if they were to pick who's the good guy in this story, who's, who's the one that God's pleased with in this story, by and large, they're, they're choosing the Pharisee. He is the man of um, uh, high religious piety. He's a religious leader. He's, he's one who is going above and beyond God's law. But look at Jesus' conclusion in verse 14. Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man, speaking of the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. So Jesus is saying that the tax collector goes down to his house justified, made right with God, rather than the Pharisee, rather than the man who is going above and beyond God's law. And why? Why, Jesus? Verse 14, Jesus gives the principle of the story. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus is the extremely pious man right here, goes down to his house not justified before God, and the tax collector, the religious outsider, goes down to his house accepted before God because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus' kingdom is not for the spiritually proud but for the spiritually humble. That's the big idea of our text. Now I just want to pause right here and say my guess is is that for a lot of us this is not shocking new news. Praise God so many in our church and we we, we have a grasp of the gospel, have a grasp of that it's not my works. It's not my religious performance that, that gets me a spot before God and his kingdom. But I also want to say spiritual pride can be so much more subtle than we think. So I want to pause for a minute. That's the big idea, the spiritually proud will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is for the spiritually humble. But let's zoom in for a second, and let's look at what this spiritual pride looked like in the Pharisee. And let's also examine our own hearts and see if or where this might show up in ourselves. Uh, when Jesus is telling this story, he gives two key symptoms of spiritual pride in the Pharisee. He gives two key indicators that the Pharisee has spiritual pride, and that's the reason he's not, the kingdom of God is not for him. Look back at, um, I think it's verses 11 and 12, the Pharisee's prayer. Two key markers of spiritual pride that manifest itself in the Pharisee. And let's also um, examine our own hearts, too, as we look at this. The first is, is the Pharisee placed his confidence before God in himself and his own goodness. 
look, look at verse 12. Look at the Pharisee's prayer. Did you notice how many times the Pharisee said, I? He referred to himself in his prayer before God. Let's read it. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. One marker of spiritual pride that Jesus shows us right here is a reliance on self, a reliance on our own goodness, our reliance on our own good deeds, and our confidence in that before God. And I know like all good Christians in here, we would say, no, I, I know I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But think about it, deep down, deep under, uh, in the recesses of our souls, is this there? I know for me, I often struggle. Let's say if, I'm, if I don't perform my religious deeds well enough, if I don't have a, a good quiet time, there can be a, a, a kind of an inner turmoil, inner wrestle of my acceptance before God. And that shows me that I'm placing, I'm functionally placing, even though intellectually I would say, no, it's all because of Jesus. Functionally in my soul, there's some aspects where I'm placing my acceptance before God on me having it together spiritually. And if you're not a Christian here, think of this. I've talked, in, in talking to several people about Christianity, one of the common responses I hear is, well, you know, I, I'm, from some people at least, is I'm interested in that, but I, I have to clean myself a lot up a lot before I'd even come back to church or, or explore God or anything like that. And though that can sound like humble, I'm so bad, I don't even deserve to be there, do you see how there's still some subtle spiritual pride lurking in that? Because what are you, what are you focusing on? What, what is the focus on right there? It's still on, it's still on me. I have to clean myself up. I, I'm just, I'm, I, I would have to, before I'd even go, I have a lot of changing I have to do. Well, guess what? When you clean yourself up, who are you going to look like? You're, you're going to be the Pharisee in this story. Jesus is teaching one aspect of spiritual pride is a focus on ourselves, either a focus on ourselves well, if we're disciplined, rigorous, very pious, and we kind of can exalt ourselves, we, we earn it. Or a focus on ourself that shows up of like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I don't even, do, I don't even, deserve, but the focus is still on I. But look at the tax collector's prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Where is he placing his trust in? God. God's mercy. God, would you have mercy on me a sinner and so the first aspect of spiritual pride that we see in the pharisee that we need to be aware of and it's, it's it's not something like all or nothing it can creep up at different times that we have to fight against is placing our confidence for our acceptance before god on our own religious performance on our own um our our, our on our own piety Look at the second. The second marker 
of that, that, that ways that spiritual pride shows up in the prayer of the Pharisee is that the way he sees himself in relationship to others. Look back at verse 11. Look at his posture with himself and others. Jesus says, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. What is the Pharisee's posture in the way that he sees himself and other people? He, he, he sees himself in, a, in the spiritually elite class. God, I thank you. And, and, and this is a warning. I've thought about this. Just because you credit God for your righteousness and your good deeds does not mean that you might not have spiritual pride. Maybe the Pharisee right here is like giving like a, a facade, I thank you. But he could be saying like, Lord, I really do thank you. I, I, I give some credit, I give credit to you, but I, I thank you that I'm not like other men. I'm not like everybody else. The Pharisee sees himself as the spiritual elite right here, and everyone else is other men. And, 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 and when Jesus is telling this parable, who's he telling it to? Those who are trusting in themselves that they are righteous and treating others with contempt. How about us? Brian, how about me? Brian, how about you? This is, this is a danger, honestly, for, or it, it can be a danger for some of the, the strengths that at least I've been blessed by from our church. My assessment of our body, and I'm super thankful for this, this is very good. This is not bad at all. This is, this is, this is honoring to God, and this, this pleases him is that by and large, our church is not a fliffly fluff, um, half in, half out Christianity church. Um, and I'm super thankful for that. Praise God for that. At the same time, there can be a very, there can be a, a danger, a subtle danger of being us or people like us or me in kind of a separate class of Christianity, Lord, thank you that we don't miss church. Lord, thank you for the way you've led us to do such and such, the way, the way you've led us to practice our spirituality, our generosity, our, our parenting, our family worship. And those things aren't bad in themselves, but whenever we start seeing us as a, a separate elite class, and are treating others with contempt. This doesn't mean that we can't say, you know what, this is where the Lord's leading me. I think this is what it looks like to follow Jesus, so we're going to be all in. But whenever we kind of see, man, we, we kind of got it. We're, we, we got it figured out. And then we start looking down our noses at other people. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. And I'm not saying that we're, we're, we're doing that. But what I am saying is that Jesus in his kindness is warning these people right here who take their spirituality very seriously, and he's warning us today. So big picture today, and, and, and we'll wrap up. Big picture, 
the kingdom of God, the kingdom of, that Jesus has brought is not for the spiritually elite, the people who go above and beyond for God while looking at themselves and saying, you know what, I finally made it. I deserve to be here. It's for those who are humble, for those who are contrite, for those who say, God, would you give me your mercy? I'm a sinner. And as a church, as we pursue God with all that we have, as we seek to obey his commandments, as we seek to love one another, may we be a type of church, may we be a type of people who do that not so that then we look at our own deeds and say, man, we, like, Lord, I, I deserve it. May we do it out of gratitude that it's what God has done for us, out of love for him. And may we do it uh, with a posture of humility, with a posture of grace, with a posture of mercy uh, to all that God puts around us. Thanks for listening in to today's message. For more information about our church, feel free to visit us at calvarybcmoultrie.com. We hope you will join us again next time. Until then, grace and peace.